Remember a time when we couldn't go out to meet friends for a catch-up over a drink because we were all in a lockdown due to a pandemic? Well, this series of podcasts was recorded back then. We had to do something with our evenings. Three theatrical pros who are old friends having a natter via the magic of remote recording technology, but pretending we were really round a table at our local. It's For the Love of... dot 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 podcast. And welcome to For the Love of dot 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 with the three of us, Becky, Darren, and Jez. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Hello, you two. Fabulous. Hello, Hello, you two. In this episode, we are looking into that great British theatrical and historical art form of pantomime. Between us, we've racked up an impressive. How many pantomimes have we racked up between us, you two? Oh, my days. Can you count them quickly? What? I've, I've, I've been what? at it. I've been at it for thirty-two years. I've done panto every year for thirty-two years. Yeah, that's ha- that's big pantos. And and, but then all the ones now? we've been on touring ones. Good grief! Oh, how many years? Oh, no. How many years? How many years have you done panto for, Darren? Thirty-two. Oh, you just said that. At thirty, <laughs> I just said that. Yeah, she's not listening. She's not listening already. I've done so it for thirty-two, ye- 32 years. Thirty-two years. Right, keep that number yeah. in your head. I've done. Okay, thirty-two. I was 19 when it was my first panto, so I, I'm doing the math. 27. We're going to find out how old she is. Yes, we're going to find out how old she is. <laughs> She's never told us, is she? I think I'm 27 years of panto. Oh, I'm going to miss one in the middle. 26. 26 years of panto, I think. Um, That's me. So that's your... 32 and 26. Oh, well, it's yes. old father time now. <laughs> that might have to take my socks and shoes off. <laughs> Yes, what about you, Brooklyn? <laughs> well, it started in 1940. I've not done as, believe it or not, I don't think I've done as many of you. I've been involved in Panthers, but not as many as you, two. I don't Yeah, think, but you've still done oh, quite a lot. Quite a lot, Can yeah, we give more you than a three. Part figure? Oh, why not? Well, let's say 22, because that's about as many years as we all met ago. So, what's yeah, 32, 26, and 22? Come on, I, I'm an actor. My first, I'm, I'm my first that I was in, I was 16, I think, when I first one. Yeah, but then you had a long lie down after that, didn't you? I had to have a long lie down. Yeah. <laughs> it, we've got to be well into the 80s, 90s, maybe even nearly 100 years between that's us. That's all the fucking panto ones as well, which is... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. We've done, we've done two or three a year. Yeah, so, Absolutely. so that's a lot of impressive pantomimes spending lots of impressive years. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. But the show we mentioned earlier that we all met on Mumble Mumble years ago, well, I've just said, wasn't it? It was about 22 years ago. I got that out of the bag a while ago. We met about 22 years ago. That show we met on happened to be the genre of... Pantomime. It was Jack and the Beans talk. <laughs> it was Jack and the Beans talk, but it was the genre of pantomime. So that's what we're talking about in this episode. We're going to talk about... I wondered about... why I was here. Yeah, we're going to talk yeah, about our love for pantomime. We're all sitting in our individual virtual pubs at home. Would you like ice and a slice? Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, what's your tipple of the week? What, what have you got this week, uh, uh, Darren? 
Well, I'm, I've got a nice little Chateau Neuf de Pape. Oh, right. Which I bought with my nectar points at Christmas. <laughs> there are other points available, by the way, from other. It has markets. come to this. <laughs> what about you, Jeremy? What are you? What's your little uh, little tipple today? A more verde. A what? Which is it's just it's just a pez de oc oh, right. from France. <laughs> Lovely. That? Very good. I've got a cheeky little sparkling number. Um, that's just my top. <laughs> I'm going to say, well, <laughs> that's about what you're wearing. Yeah, no, what a cheeky thinking? little fizz. A cheeky little fizz. She's not a Prosecco. She's a sparkling wine. Champagne? No. I can't afford that. Um, it's, um, oh, she thinks she's, she's something she's it. not, don't yeah. she, Jess? wine sec. Uh, I don't even, can't even see where it's from. Spamante dry. Spamante dry. Oh. So, um, You've changed, Becky know, Little. You've changed. That's what I'm on. So that's that's what we're all, you know... Uh, sipping. If we were in the pub together, having this chat like we would be, uh, that's what we'd all be on. But we're not, so um, we're in our virtual pubs at home. So let's have this chat then. Come on, we're round round our virtual pub table. So um, okay. So we all met twenty two blah, blah 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 years ago uh, in Jack and the Beanstalk, didn't we? Yeah. Um, yes. uh, I was. Uh, Happy days. I was a young juvenile lead. <laughs> <laughs> I was I four stone lighter. <laughs> no, well, I was I was the the girl in Jack and the Beast or Annie. What were you, Jer- uh, Jeremy? What were you? Oh, I, I was very famous. I was the back end of Daisy the cow, and also the giant. Which Brilliant giant blunderbore. I almost got. Were the you the back, Jess? The... I don't remember you being the back. Yeah, Jessica uh, was the front. That's why I walk funny now. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and, and oh. Darren, who were you? You were some bit part, weren't you? I was, I was, I was a very, very small part. Dame Dotty, Dame Daisy Durden, was it? You were the Dame anyway, I, weren't you? The Dame, yes, the yeah. youngest in the country. Uh, you weren't. I, to say. I was. I was. You're not the, the youngest in, in the country now, country. are you? <laughs> I'm nothing like the youngest. Nothing Fabulous. like. <laughs> so was... I'm still wearing the same tights. <laughs> Good job they've got lycra in them. <laughs> Marvellous. And then, of course, you went on to form your own pantomime company, Pocket Panto. Yeah, Pocket pa- Pocket Panto. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm just going back to when, where did you, where was your first panto then, Becky? Because I, I don't imagine for either of you there was life before you met me. <laughs> no, there no, was. I was, I was <laughs> on the streets. Uh, for about four years before I met you guys, uh, my very first pantomime was at the Players' Theatre, the world-famous Players' Theatre in London, oh, doing right. um, historical, hysterical uh, Victorian uh, pantomime, so sort of music hall meets pantomime almost, uh, we, we, and they were from the original scripts from eighteen hundred and something or other. I don't know, Blimey. but um, yeah, what were they like? Uh, very clever, very clever, written of the era and time, um, but clever still works, still work, but very, very different, very different to what I've re- I've read a few, I've read a few Victorian pantomime mm. scripts. And I can't, I can't get my head around. Yeah, they. I think I seem to remember it was can't. Cinderella, and I think every single part of the dialogue was it was in rhyming couplets. All yeah, of it. all in rhyming couplets. All of it, not just like normally we have magical characters, don't we? Now that do that, but but like every every single yeah. bit. Um, but all the songs were based on the hits of the day. Of course, it wasn't pop. It was all operatic, operatic, and operetta, and you know. So it was all done to what we now know is famous opera tunes or operatic tunes but the lyrics had all been changed and they were very uh political but of that era so yeah. you sort of had to be there to get the jokes really i mean had to be there <laughs> like 100 plus 
years ago. But no, they were good. They were very magical, very, very, and and I, you know, um, yeah, really special, but very different to the way we sort of all met and did sort of style of pantomime. You know, they seem very wordy from what I've read. Read yeah. very, you know, a yeah. lot of dialogue, a oh, lot yeah. of plot, a lot of. If you, you know, if you if you switch off for half a second, you've you've lost a huge chunk of what's supposed to be going on. Oh yeah, and there was no I've, no audience participation like like we have, which we'll get on really? to a bit. Yeah, no, 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 you know, no song sheet, no throwing out of things. It was, they were, yeah, just. I suppose they were more satirical. Is that a word? Is that the right word? Yeah, they were commenting on, mm. I think, politics and stuff of the time. Um, they were quite highbrow. Yeah. Wow. Not like the stuff we do. You see, I've been I've been teaching kids wrong for years. Because I've been telling them, I've been saying, when well, well, well you you've done these workshops with me every summer. We do uh, panto workshops, and um, I've been telling kids, oh yeah, the people have been t- for hundreds of years. People have been doing the audience participation. Well, they might uh, have, and so they weren't doing it in. Well, the no, it doesn't so. mean to say they weren't. It just we didn't. But you know, I, oh. I don't know. We'd have to. Well, hopefully, we'll get to have a chat with. Some people that actually know about this stuff, <laughs> um, yeah. some experts, um, because it's possible that they were. I mean, if you think about the pantomimes of the musical era, where people like Dan Lino and Mari Lloyd, and so that yeah. you know, it'd be interesting to know uh, whether that you know there was sort of participation in their sort of pantos. Like they they had the famous pantos, didn't they, at the Theatre or Drury Lane? I think yeah. our yeah. pantos were just a very, they were just a very particular type of. Victorian, late Victorian, early Edwardian panto. It doesn't mean to say they were all the same. Which not not all pantomimes are the same. Now are they really? No, that's true. I mean, you that's get some true. with names in, and they're very commercial. Rock and roll pantos. Yeah, you get rock, rock and music. Music. Yeah, so it's probably I would imagine that like that really. But um, oh. but anyway, we digress. So we, I was telling our listeners, of course, uh, you were the youngest dame. You have. You went on to form your own pantomime repertory company, the Pocket Panto, which yeah. Jeremy and I used to perform regularly in <laughs> <laughs> when we when we were allowed to, you know, yes, uh, yes. pre pre uh, <laughs> pre lockdowns, um, and uh, you then became uh, a a chart topping hit in Scunthorpe, I believe. Would you like to tell everybody yeah, about it's... that? Well, it was I did I did panto for Kenneth Allen Taylor over there in Oldham in Rep. And um, and I had a ball. I'd done, I'd done, you know, lots of pantos before that. Uh, but doing it as part of a rep season, it was nice to flex the old acting muscles. And Kenneth saw something in me. I don't, I don't know what, but he said, "I, I think, I think you could play Dame." <laughs> uh, and so, <laughs> that's the same impression that everybody does of Kenneth Allen don't Taylor. Don't tell him. I, he know. might be on this later. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he is. Bless him. I, I love Kenneth. Uh, yes, I think you've got to continue, and um, and so I, I I gave it a bash, and I quickly realised that once you've got all the gear on, nobody's got a clue how old you are. To this day, uh, you know, all these years later, I look exactly the same when I've got all the gear on and the boobs and the big big frock and what have you and the wigs and all the makeup. So I'd, uh, he was clever in that respect. He knew that I'd, I could do the the shtick and the funnies, uh, mm. and nobody would question the fact that um, I was. 20, what was that, 21, 22? Well, I don't know, you're giving your remember. age away now. I was very young, very young. <laughs> um, but absolutely loved it, yeah. And so then I decided to start my own theatre company, Pocket Panto, touring um, touring pantomimes out into the provinces. 
to a, a little village hall. But these are clever. These are clever, aren't they? Because without there's not a cast of thousands in them, is there? Oh, no, it's just three actors, three actors playing all the parts. That's why we have to use very, very talented and versatile actors. And small like ones like me that fold up and in small. the back of the car. <laughs> <laughs> but we do, don't we? We get everything. It, it still never ceases to amaze me that we take a full, you know, a full production pantomime um, around rural Yorkshire, not not in a transit van or a Luton, but in just in my old Skoda Yeti. It all fits in. <laughs> And we do have to fold Becky into the back, yeah, to be there, fair. There are other cars available. To other other yeah. cars are yeah, available, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but if Skoda are listening, it's a, it's a cracking little car. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, it's... Uh, oh, crikey, how many cars have you gone through, Jez, while we've, uh, while we've been touring? We do tend to... We do tend to... We do tend to go through your cars. Uh, but that, that was the idea. That was always you. the idea. Go on, Jez. It was what, sorry? The last Panto I did for Pocket Panto, I, I racked up about 1,300 miles in four weeks-ish. Wow. Touring, wow. rural touring. Mostly. But it's mostly, a lot of mileage, but it's brilliant. Mostly sort of in the Yorkshire, Dale, is Dales area, is that right? Yorkshire, North Yorkshire, North, Dales, yeah. yeah so fabulous. up and downhill, fabulous. you know, right from Scarborough across to Settle in Carlisle, that end. It's uh, an amazing journey. Just goes to show, you know, and you sort of take Panto anywhere, as we have. We've done it everywhere from Village Hall to a, well, just about everywhere, haven't we? Schools. What's the weirdest place that we've done? Oh, that's the staff room in there. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Where's that? <laughs> the staff room. I can't remember where yeah, it is now. But we that school in Leeds, isn't it? Right at the... Until halfway <laughs> through the show, and then I realised all the furniture yeah. that had been sort of cleared to one side backstage. That we it, knew we were playing a school, but we didn't realise we were actually in, in the staff. Room. We usually get changed in the staff room, but we'd actually put. But I mean, it it speaks to what Pocket Panto's about. We yeah. can. The idea was that, that when I first started, it was that you, we could rock up to a hospital ward, you know, to the children's ward of some hospital take out a couple of beds and pop up a panto in there, uh, which, you know, which we could do. We've, we've not been asked to do that yet. We do, um, we've done quite a few children's hospices. And we've done um, older people's which bit, um, Older people's events. Yeah, we've been, events, we've yeah. played outdoors, yeah. indoors. Yeah. I really wanted, we got, we got a gig. Uh, we've had quite a few gigs at the National Coal Mining Museum. I you other National, National Coal National Mining Museums. <laughs> it's as good as Becky. It's because as good I as I wasn't in those, and I would have loved to have done a. <laughs> I would have loved to have performed underground. Oh, that, that would have been, been brilliant. Great, but you're not allowed to take any electricity, on. electric stuff down there. That's all right. We could do. Yeah. We could do it without Where electricity. Else have we We've done churches. We could do it without electricity. Do you remember? <gasps> that? Do you remember that church we played, and they had a massive when it went power down, cut? and so we lost. Sound all- effect. <laughs> we, saw, we we've just got to explain this. We lost all our power, didn't we? And yes. um, so none of the sound effects worked, none of the music worked, and when the beanstalk grew, Darren Johnson from the backstage, as the beanstalk was growing, just shouted, sound effects, sound, sound effects. Sound effects, sound effects, sound effects, sound effects. So we could do it underground. Get in touch, get in touch. Tell them. Wasn't that well, the 500th performance of Pocket Panto? It was. And everything. Uh, we, or you're the ethos of your company, Pocket Panto, is pantomime is for everybody all year round um yeah. isn't it you you can do it any time of the year and that's what we do is pocket panto and then yet weirdly when it comes to christmas where most people would think that's when you do panto we all go our separate ways don't we except jeremy yeah, yeah. would look after pocket panto he became the boss and the dame didn't he 
I'd go off somewhere else in the country <laughs> to do Panto. And for the many past many years, you've gone where? Tell everybody where you've gone, Darren. Um, I've I've gone to Sunny Scunny. Sunny Scunny. And uh... so I'll tell you a really a really sad a really sad thing actually. I mean, a bit I've been if if I'd have done Panto last year, it it would have been fifteen years I think. Oh. And sixteen years ago. My grandma was from uh, lived in Scunthorpe, and she used to say to me every year, "Why don't you go? To, why don't you come do pantomime in Scunthorpe?" And then she died on uh, Boxing Day um, uh-huh. about sixteen years ago. And the, like literally a week after I finished panto, they offered me uh, Scunthorpe. That's so so fast forward then, fast forward then to um, December, and we've I'm doing my first pantomime in Scunthorpe. Uh, Opening night, went down to the curtains, uh, down to the front for the curtain call. Yeah. And this butterfly and came no. down and sat on my finger you as are, I was taking you are a bow. Honest me. to God. Wow. This but this butterfly had been flying around all through the show. And it, it wasn't was like, a moth. You know, having a laugh are you at sure it. it was a butterfly? Wasn't a moth? No, it was a butterfly. I know the difference. You know, I'm no Bill Oddie, <laughs> but I can tell the difference between a moth and a butterfly. <clears throat> And it's it sat on my finger, and I put I put it up to my ear, and I said, "What's that skip? Little Joey's trapped down the well. Just a bit of thing." Yeah, yeah. And then I said, "Right, go on, off you go." So it it flew off, and so at the end of the run, I said to my mum, "Mum, you won't believe what happened. This happened at this butterfly game, and it sat on my finger." She said, "That was your nana." I said, "What?" She said, "That was your nana came to visit you." I said, what do you mean? And she said, see that there on the wall? <gasps> no. She pointed to the wall. No, I'm getting goosebumps. Go on. A ceramic butterfly. And she <gasps> said, that's the only thing I ever asked. That's the only thing I ever asked of your grandma when she, after she died. I had that butterfly. So she said, that was your grandma. That was your nana coming to see you in pantomime. <gasps> and it's been back a few times since that butterfly. Thank goodness. She so did... much so that now. Yeah. <laughs> I've told this story so many times that when I go to the theatre now, yeah. and I'll, I'll go and watch something, yeah. uh, Yvette, front of house, she'll say to me, your grandma's in. <laughs> and I'll, I'll know that there's a butterfly flying around. You said, your oh. grandma's in. Oh, I hope they don't yeah. charge her. <laughs> hey, and it's Imagine a good that. job when she landed on her finger, you didn't give her a round of applause, isn't it? Wow, well, yeah. <laughs> How I'm... weird. Oh, yeah. But on the subject of Scunthorpe, uh, you're, I believe it doesn't matter what subject matter pantomime is, you are always called the same pantomime dame name. Is that right? Yes. Well, what happened was um, the first year I was Nurse Annie Fanny in Snow White mm-hmm. and I'd go on stage and say, boys and girls, whenever I come on stage, I'm going to say, hello, everybody. <laughs> and it would be awfully nice if you all shouted back, hello, Annie Fanny. And they loved it. They loved shouting back, you know, Annie. It must be that name or something that they like shouting out. It rhymes. But that happened out. that year. The following year, the following year I was, uh, it was Aladdin and I was Widow Twanky. And I said, boys and girls, my name's Widow Twanky. And when I come on stage, I'll say, hello, everybody. And you all shout back, hello, Widow Twanky. And they all shouted out, Annie Fanny, instead. <laughs> uh, and we sort of got through the school's matinees with them just shouting, Annie Fanny. Uh, and then the following year, it was Jack and the Beanstalk. And I was supposed to be Dame Daisy. And I said, boys and girls, my name's Dame Daisy. And I could hear him go. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> and I said, whenever I come on stage, I'll say, hello, everybody. And I want you to shout back. And they all just shouted, hello, Annie Fanny. <laughs> and so I said, uh, sh- shall I be Annie Fanny from now on? And they went, yeah. So this massive cheer went up. And I've been I've been Annie Fanny every year since. What, even when you've done Ugly Sister? 
Even yeah, when I've 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 played Ugly Sister with a very very good friend of mine, Hamby Papas, who's done practically every panto I've done over there. Mm. Uh, so I play Annie Fanny, and he plays my Ugly Sister Fanny Annie, and so he's the he's the the nasty one, and I'm I can still be a bit nice because usually the Ugly Sisters are uh, really nasty. Aren't yeah, they, both? yeah, but you can be. But a bit I nice. have to be. Yeah, I can be a bit nicer. So you've That's got a catchphrase I... then, essentially. Yes. Right, Jeremy. Oh, everybody. Hello, oh, yes. Fanny. Jeremy. Yes. Darren's got a catchphrase. I know. Well, what about us? That's not, that's not fair. Well, I think perhaps, you know. We're not as renowned as Darren. But yeah. Well, <laughs> not as round as Darren. Can, I, can I tell you what? I, I tell you what I think after having Jeremy uh, <laughs> take the reins of Pocket Panto for 15 years or so. At Christmas. I think oh, Jeremy's, Jeremy's catchphrase should be, Darren, I don't want to worry you, but because <laughs> <laughs> that would be the phone call that I'd get at like <laughs> five to seven on a Thursday evening. I don't want to worry you, but <laughs> the car's blown through. up and the set's on fire. Oh no! Well, I still think we're just sitting five foot of water. Well, I think <laughs> I think that should be our aim. If Darren's got a catchphrase, Jeremy, I think we need to have one. As well, well, saying on that, and yes. uh, as a, as a Yorkshireman, that's what I seem to say most in my life now. As a Yorkshireman, yeah. Well, answers <laughs> on a yes, postcard. No, we'll find if one. anybody's listening yes. wants to request, uh, yeah, and it, it should have a little tune, or maybe it's all to the same tune. So what, I do, do have, a, I do have a, uh, I have got, a, I've got a catchphrase in rehearsals as well, and when we're producing anything, <laughs> what is it? Be better. No. Be right. Oh, it be right. Be right. Yes, yes. When when people are stressing, it be yeah. yeah, yeah. And it always is. It always is, isn't it? Um, it is. It yeah. is. That's that's one of the things. When Jez when Jez is on tour, I felt the first time I ever sent a tour out, and Jez will back me up on this. Oh. It didn't. It didn't go well. So Jeremy uh, directed this <laughs> cracking little production of Aladdin, uh, but the, the <laughs> cast were a bit, a little bit inexperienced, I think, and they they struggled <laughs> when you know when you have to get the audience on board, and they they started cutting things, but the pantomime got so short then that they had to, they inserted a game of pass the pass <laughs> midway midway through the show, and I was like, oh, I can't do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna sack it all off. I'm not doing it. And Jeremy said, no, look, I'll do it. I'll do it next year. And he went out and he took hold of it. And just what? turned parcel. it into this monster. Not the, not the parcel, parcel, no. The pantomime. Never he, knew. Sort of, he took it. He better not have done because he took he took he took the reins of pocket panto every Christmas and took it out into rural Yorkshire and just became a a, a legend Aww. in the in the sticks. Yes. They absolutely loved him. Well done, Jesse. Uh, so yeah, well, it's so fun though, isn't he it? Saved, he saved the bacon. Oh. Yeah, but when you're in a small community hall as big as my kitchen, probably. And there's 150 people looking at you that never get anything like this. That's what I love about Panto. People see these things for the first time. Kids, the first thing of theatre. And um, to go there with the magic of Pocket Panto, like I said, everything's in the back of the car, you know, and you come out, you've got the most outrageous costumes on, there's songs, we've had professional magic acts in the shows over the years. And it's just, and they're literally three feet away from you. It's just magical. And you've just said something quite important there. It is um, probably, possibly, well, no, it, well, it's sort of quite a proven fact, isn't it, that for a lot of people, the very first piece of live theatre they'll see is a pantomime, isn't it? Yeah, so absolutely. It's, it's, it's so important, isn't it? Um, 
Yeah. 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 So important. And it's just so unique, isn't it? Because like, not many theatre genres. There, there are others, but it, 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 not many remove that fourth wall and have that level of audience participation, do they? No, and I think what it does more than any other theatre form, and I've been very lucky enough to do it all, that it allows everybody in that audience, no matter what age you are, to go back to being a child. You can shout, you can scream, you can eat ice cream, and then you can, you can laugh, you can cry. Without anybody going, well, you're 90, you're not allowed to do that. Mm. Or, you know, you're, you're 18, you're not supposed to be here. Um, Panto doesn't do that. We don't judge. We enjoy everybody. We have a laugh and we go home and it's wonderful stuff. And that audience partition, I can't even say it, <laughs> that audience participation. Partition, yes. Yeah, partition. No, par- no opposite participation means um, every, every show is different, isn't it? Pretty much. It, it, you never get the same show twice, do you? No. No, you can't do because, um, like I say, everybody's different, the crowd are different, the gags go differently with everybody. It's funny when we talk about comedy greats, people like Ken Dodd, they, they made a note of every venue they played, every joke, how it went. And you sort of get like that, really. What? I went back to theatres. What was that? Hang on well, a minute. I've got to just flag up. I've got to flag up. What was that noise? <laughs> it's my it's my chair. I was just I was just sitting back and listening to Jeremy and my chair went. It sounded like I didn't were... blow off, I swear. <laughs> swear down. I swear down I didn't blow off. It sounded like a creaky door or something. It's very anyway, impressive. So Jeremy, what would you say? So the people like Head on what would make a note about when well, and, yeah and and like Darren must know this, and I I was lucky to be with Pocket Panto for twelve years. We're back to the same venues virtually every year, and you know your audience, and you know what's worked, you know what they love, you know who to pick on, <laughs> you know you know. And, and if at one venue, every time I went back, there was a different man because the people I picked on you before didn't, didn't come back, and it became <laughs> quite funny that you'd look around and go, "Where's so and so? Is at home? He's scared." <laughs> and, and and that that was brilliant. That was brilliant, and they loved it. And that little village has that now. They have that moment. And yeah. I think that's what Panto does. Look, we were all stunned to silence there. <laughs> Darren's no, anyway, it, no, it's so true. Anyway. It's true because I've I've done I've done I've done pantomime up and down the country. I've done all the way down to Weymouth, Hemel Hempstead, Oxford, Oldham, all over. That's very and I've I've literally I've Oxford. literally stuck. In um oh very posh I did I did panto twice there once with a uh, Tony Selby and once with a uh, lovely lovely man Ian Lavender. <gasps> you mean who, uh, from from Dad's Army? Yeah, yeah. Ian Lavender who Pike. played Pike. Wow. Yeah. One of the, literally one of the nicest men I've ever met. Wow. He was such a lovely guy. Because I was down, I I couldn't drive back then. I was so I was down. I was going to be stuck down in um Oxford for Christmas, uh, and he said um. Well, you can come and have come and spend Christmas Day with me and my Aww. family if you like. So, for a young actor, uh, to, as I was then, uh, to be invited back to such a legend's um, yeah. house and to be invited in and to be treated like one of the family, they even they bought me Christmas presents and stuff. He was oh, such wow. a lovely man. Um, and we said I had such a good uh, such a good year that year. Um, then it all went his downhill. wife was the director. <gasps> went downhill then. Went down, went, came back up north. Didn't, came back up north, innit? <laughs> well, I bet you in Hemel Hempstead you were performing. Uh-huh. Yes, yes, I remember. But just to go back, one of one of my fondest memories is sitting in a, a Pizza Hut uh, 
uh, Pizza Express. I said, oh, crikey, here I go. One of my fondest memories is sitting in a pizza place in Oxford uh, with Ian right. Lavender. There's lots of pizza yeah, places lots on of, offer. Lots of, lots pizza of different places. pizza places. And he and I sat down and we we wrote the um we wrote the uh, the, the kitchen gag together. And that oh, was, what you it mean the magical. scene? The, 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 the scene, the kitchen scene. scene that we did with uh, wow. with Milton Johns playing the squire. <gasps> He's a bit uh, of a legend as well. He's an absolute and another lovely, lovely man. Yeah. The old school fellas yeah, are the legend. best. They really, really are. That's what I meant by legends, so nice. by the way. Um, I meant and I didn't actually you know the sad thing is I didn't I didn't appreciate it, I don't think, at the time as much as I as much as I should have done. Because I mean I stayed like I said, I stayed over at um at Ian and Michelle's and stayed in the spare bedroom and hung on the back of the door was the scarf <gasps> and the hat. No. And Dad's <laughs> army scarf. It and didn't hat. even yeah, yeah. You are it didn't joking. even I just thought, I thought, all oh, right, that's the hat and scarf that he wore in the. Uh, you didn't. Well, you see, nowadays, you see, mobile phones hadn't been invented then, had they? It was that long <laughs> Thank ago. God. And nowadays, you'd have put that on, taken a selfie. It'd have been on, you know, Twitter or social media, yeah. wouldn't it? But yeah, none wow. of that existed then, because we are talking, you know, prehistoric era, yeah. aren't we? <laughs> yeah, well, lovely, that's lovely, my lovely era, Becky. <laughs> oh, so mm. okay, so. Mm. Oh, but that was, but my point was, my oh, point was, you oh, see, it's the wine talking there. All right, I'm my just point was, once I, came, <laughs> once I came back up north, it's a totally different kettle of fish. It's a different sense of, it's a different sense of humour. Because my dame's more like the, uh, the Les Dawson kind of dame. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that because, you know, fr- friends of his told me that I was very, you know, in, the, in that vein dame. Friends of whose? Friends of whose? We Les, know Roy Barraclough, come on. Friends of Les Dawson told you that. Roy wow. Barraclough, surely. Roy Barraclough. He oh, must wow. have yes. said. Roy Barraclough, because he was doing, um, what, he was in a show at Oldham. Right. I know, it was, that, that I did, that did, I do remember that. Mm. Um, In the bar and he said, oh yeah, you're very, I can see a lot of Les in you. And I thought, that's it, I'm done. I'm done now. Wow. That's it. Uh, but it's that it is that bawdy. We have to say that it is a quite a bawdy, mm. broad uh, humour, mm. which um, which which you can't really you can do it down south, mm. but it's not not really um not not really as appreciated. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I bet if you visited every pantomime in the country, and I know people out there that do, and I've met a few of them. So you know, some of them review and stuff. Uh, you know, depending on where you move around the country, it, you know. I think it dictates the style and perhaps yeah, the style of yeah. their dames, and because you sort of play to you play to your crowd, don't you? You play to that sort of sense of yeah. I think as you say, your northern dame may not go as down as well if you were suddenly sort of moved two hundred miles south, possibly, and vice versa. Mm. And I've seen yeah. clips of pantomimes up in Scotland, and again, very very different, amazing, I mean, raucous. Yeah, but I like the wonderful oh. Love him. Grew up with watching him on telly. Stanley Baxter, of course, very yeah, famous, yeah. doing Amazing. pantos up there, and just. Um, but yes, yeah, so everybody has their unique style, especially for dames. I think. I think it's different for other characters, isn't it? But I think the dame, each like like we've mentioned the legendary Kenneth Allen Taylor, who is a legend to all three of us. Because if it wasn't for that legend. man, if it wasn't for that man, none of us would still be working. I wouldn't even be married. <laughs> I mean, he even found me a husband, <laughs> essentially. You know, he gave us all, between us, a lot of years' work and, and a lot of it, you know, get, handed down all that wealth of experience. And, you know, his dame is very different to your dame, of course. What, you know, and, and Jeremy's dame, when he plays him, is very different to yours as well. And it, it's interesting, isn't it? It's, they're quite unique, aren't they? 
um, the way people, mm. you know, portray some people. Uh, I mean, I suppose over the years, well, you you can sort of um, uh, comment on this, maybe. Well, both of you more than me, because obviously, but although I believe people of females, um, Elaine C. Oh, she was in. Um, oh. Yeah, I know you, you mean. You know what I mean? Yeah, she plays yeah. Dame, I think, sometimes. There are yeah. female yeah, Dame, yeah, and there yeah, have yeah. been in history, but lots, generally. Lots lots. We have a female Dame now for Pocket Panto, oh, Ruth Burkoff. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic yeah. Dame. Absolutely brilliant Dame. And she struggled at first. She she was worried. She really mm. was worried at first that people wouldn't accept her as a, as a Dame. Mm. But for a start, the kids think that the man is a woman anyway, For in most cases. Yes. So that it doesn't bother them. No. Um. And secondly, if you can if you can do it, then do it. Here comes the cockle cellar. So I have got the legendary, I can't even say it, the legendary <laughs> Mr. Kenneth Allen Taylor here. Um, our very first guest, I'm very excited, and we're gonna chat all things panto so kenneth hello hello and i'm just flattered and honored that i'm your first guest well thank you for for being our very first guest we're, we're honored to have you um so pantomime um you have a long history with pantomime um when when was your very first pantomime in 1959 at <gasps> the oldham coliseum that's how wow. long ago and um in the cast was uh, william roach playing robin hood um, oh, gosh. And uh, Meg Johnson, who went on to appear at the National in musicals and on Coronation Street and Emmerdale, she was made Marion. <laughs> and I was a character called Muddles, a sort of <laughs> uh, silly Billy type character, opposite yeah. a lovely, lovely actress um, called Janet Whiteside, who was playing Polly Flinders, who was a blacksmith. It was, it was Robin Hood. It was a very strange story. But anyway, <laughs> and that was my very first uh, go on the boards at Oldham. Wow. When it was, co- it was, was then known as Oldham Rep, you know. And now I was going to say, was that as part of the rep yes, repertory company? It was a weekly rep. Um, but the pantomime rang for two weeks. <laughs> but we only oh, had right. a week's rehearsal. We only had a good. week's rehearsal. Um, oh, good grief. But it did run for two weeks. And also, you provided most of your own costumes, unless it was anything very special. So you sort of rooted around. And I'll come on to that later when I first did Dame. But I, right. did, um, I did this Silly Billy character, um, which yes. was great fun. I absolutely loved it. And and did the pantomimes back then have a sort of similar um, structure to pantomime now? Did you have sort of the routines and the songs or, or were these sort of very, um, were they a simpler format? They were simpler and the um, the scenes were longer, I think. Routines were longer. And we did, at Oldham, we did a mixture of um, sort of popular songs and songs written for the pantomime, which were pretty awful, yeah. actually. <laughs> they were <laughs> very dreadful. I remember my first day, I had a song called Everything is tickety boo. <laughs> it was <laughs> absolutely dreadful, but I was making <laughs> it. And you know, and also the other thing in those days um, 
we had a, a musical director who was actually the chairman of the board. You just sung whatever you were given. If, if it was in the wrong key, that was just too bad. You had to struggle with it. They didn't play <laughs> keys or anything like that. So, uh, goodness knows. And, of course, initially... In that one in 1959, we had no microphone. I was going to say, I was going to go on to that. Of course, yeah, I've, I've seen footage of, of old pantos on the TV. And, and of course, yeah, there was certainly no body or head mics, were there? No, no, Did you have float mics I, or nothing? Was it... I, I don't think we had initially any mics. I can remember the first time we had uh, little mics on, on our chest. Uh, I was doing a musical called Daddy Longlegs. It was just so odd having this microphone on your chest. And, and we had an orchestra. We had a, a, a fuller orchestra than we have nowadays. Um, but, of course, we didn't have synthesizers and all that, so you needed uh, six or seven people in, a, in an orchestra. Well, when I first met you, um, many, many moons ago now, uh, you were uh, writing and... Uh, directing and starring as Dame in in uh, uh, big pantomime in the Midlands in Nottingham, um, but I, I, and and also you were still writing and directing pantomimes over at Oldham at the at the Rep. Did your Dame career start in the Midlands? Is that when you first donned a frock? My Dame career started at Oldham um, oh. as an ugly sister. I did I think two years as sort of the buttons character and then the third year uh the director always played the dame but he gave me and an actor called robert keegan bob keegan who went on to star in zed cars and uh, we played ugly sisters and as i quoted earlier we had to provide our own costumes and i actually have a photograph of myself with a skirt that i made out of calico with yeah. names of famous people on. I'd just written on Elvis and Tommy Steele and uh, <laughs> uh, Do Lonnie Donegan. <laughs> and a, a big colourful sweater. Um, I, I can't remember where the wigs came from, but most of my clothes came from a lovely aunt, my favourite aunt, Auntie Flo, who was a very flamboyant woman and quite a large lady, fortunately. And I <laughs> rang her up and said, Auntie Flo, I'm playing this lady. Do you lend me any clothes? And she lent me jewellery and everything. And everything was provided by us except the walk down where they found me a, a white wedding dress. I did it at the dressing rehearsal, <laughs> and this is the truth. Uh, Meg Johnson, who had an extensive wardrobe, uh, she was playing something in it. Um, well, probably, I don't know, Fairy Godmother, I would think. And I went to Meg after the dress rehearsal and said, Meg, this, this walk down is awful. Have you got anything? And she said, come home with me and we'll see what we can find. And she found me a tube-like black dress, um, absolutely covered in sequins, but it wouldn't do up at the back. And she said, it's all right, we can put a pin or something in the back, take it home and you can use it tomorrow for the matinee. So I went home. Um, I was married by this time <laughs> and uh, <laughs> went to bed and I couldn't sleep. I was worrying about this dress. And so I got up and I put the dress on <laughs> and I got a pair of socks and stuffed them down the front. And I was looking in the mirror <laughs> and Judith woke up and said, what the hell are you doing? Said, well, I'm trying on this dress for tomorrow. She said, listen, suppose you had a heart attack 
and you drop down the bed, and then I call the ambulance, and you're there in a sequin dress and socks down your boob. <laughs> anyway, that was my first day. Then, uh, uh, what I haven't told you was the pantomimes we did, I can't tell you who it was written by, because he might still be alive, but they were produced in the south of England, first of all, and we got them the next year. And they were right. terribly twee. They really were so twee. And like, as I told you, that song, Everything is Tickety-Boo. And our director, Carl Paulson, who ran the theatre, who was brilliant, said, you, you go home and rewrite your scripts. Make them funnier. So that's what we did for uh, three years. I went home and uh, rewrote the script. And uh, in the cast was, uh, in all three of them, Henry Living, who became quite a famous playwright, and Henry used to give me gags to do. And on the fourth year, we came to the first day of rehearsal, and I had played, this was weekly rep, three leads in a row, and I was worn out. And we came to the first day of rehearsal, and I read the script as printed. And Carl said, why haven't you rewritten it? And I said, Carl, I'm on my knees. I can hardly learn it. Never mind, rewrite it. And he said, well, go home tonight and rewrite it. He was a very volatile man. And I, I exploded and said, why do we do this? Every year we get a script, we pay somebody else and we rewrite it. We should write our own. And he said, oh, well, if you're so clever, go home and write a script. Anyway, the panto was over. <laughs> I thought about this. And I went home and I wrote a script. And about a month later, five, six weeks later, I took it to him, went to his office and said, there you are. I said, what's this? Now, he always forgot what he said. He'd forgotten. Or I said, well, you said if I wrote a script, you'd read it. Oh, did I? All right, leave it with me. And I thought, well, that'll be it. It'll go in the bin. And two weeks later, he came to me and said, we're going to do your script. And that was how I started to write uh -huh. pantomimes. And I, well, I've written them ever since. And you've written a uh, fair well, few. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many I did at Oldham, but I know at, uh, in the Midlands, I did 36 in a row. 36 yes. and, in a row. Uh, wow. <laughs> and used to direct and play in them. I, I stopped playing in them quite a few years ago. In fact, I think the last one I played mm. in was with you, Jack and the Beans. It was, it was out. Jack and the Beanstalk, right. you were my mum, and uh, I was Jack, and uh, yeah, that was 2013-14 season, I think, if, if memory serves. Um, yeah, I was. we kind of knew it was going to probably be the last time you'd, you'd put your frock on, didn't we? Um, we sort of, uh, you, you felt probably after that you would... Uh, just carry on directing and writing them. Um, so that was, for me, a massive honour. I, I knew uh, that was uh, going to be a, 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 a brilliant panto season, and it was. So uh, I remember yeah, vividly yeah, you um, ad-libbing one night and said, I'm going to put you back in your home, which upset me very I much did. at the time, <laughs> probably because I was saying some awful I, things about you. Um, I mean, that was the joy. That's <laughs> why I loved loved doing pantomime was not so much mm. the script or the story i was very, always bored when it was plot i just loved the ad-libbing and taking yeah. the mickey out of my lovely fellow actors they had never done pantomime in nottingham and uh, i decided uh when i yeah. went for the interview for the job i said i would do pantomime if i got the job and they said oh you you can't do pantomime the theater 
Royal up the road, they do pantomime, and we can't afford stars. And I said, no, 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 I'm not going to have. I'm going to have people who can do it, <laughs> which was a bit rude. But and they said, oh, I, I don't know. Um, anyway, they decided I should do it, and uh, I remember telling Judith that I was going to do pantomime, and she said. Uh, you're not going to be in it, are you? You can do it at Oldham, but it's too posh a theatre for you to play Dane. And I went <laughs> to my wonderful chairman, who sadly is no longer with us, um, David, and I said, David, um, Judy says I shouldn't pay Dane. Oh, no, that's one of the reasons we want you to do it. You play Dane. So I played uh. Dane, and I can remember Judith was in on the first night, and she did something... I was appalled that she came round in the interval to my dressing room and I said, what are you doing here? And she said, well, I, I, I'm sorry I had to come round. She said, because the lady from The Guardian has come up to me and said, this is absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm. And I thought I'd tell you in the interval. So we broke even. We didn't Aww. make money. The set and costumes, I can remember to this day, cost £5,000 a lot. And the board was thrilled with it. And then in the middle of February, I got a phone call. My chairman, mm. David, rang me up and said, I just had a, a phone call to go to the meeting with the mayor, uh, leader of the council. I said, I know, so have I. So we went and uh, she showed us into her office and there was a young blonde man looking out of the window and she said to me, do you know Barry? He is the... Uh, gentleman running the Theatre Royal and I said no and she said this is Barry Stead and I said I'm very pleased to meet you and I said what are we doing here and she said well Barry's come to us because um, we fund both theatres and he said you doing pantomime is wrong you can't do pantomime because you're taking away his audience and there's conflict of interest and the chairman David looked at me and obviously didn't know what to say I said no 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 that's fine yes no that's absolutely fine and uh, Barry Stead said I knew I knew I knew you'd see see my point of view I said yes no I said but I haven't finished I said you do plays Barry that I would like to do but you get them first so if you decide or if you agree with me that you won't do any plays, then I won't do any pantomime. Barry glared <laughs> at me. He, if looks could have killed, it could have, <laughs> could have killed me. But we actually became <laughs> great friends. And I worked for him many years later. At, when I was at Nottingham, um, he brought me a production of uh, The Hobbit, which um, I directed and it toured for two years. And we became great mates. Well, I'd done five years. My last pantomime, I, I was leaving, and my last pantomime was Aladdin. I can remember getting ready for the last night, and everybody was very miserable because I, we all knew this would be the very last time I would do a pantomime at Nottingham. And I called the together at the end of the matinee and said, look, tonight is the, our last night, but we've got to do it as other last nights, with lots of fun, lots of laughter, and, you know, forget that this is the end. It doesn't matter. Life will go on. And as I was leaving and took my makeup off, the stage manager came and said, can you come upstairs to see Ruth McKenzie? Ruth McKenzie was the chief executive. I said, but I, 
I want to have something mm-hmm. to eat. I don't want to see her now. It's the last night. I'm I'm feeling a bit shaky. And she said, well, you better go up and see her. So I said, all right. So I, I ran upstairs and I went into the office and very abruptly said, yes, Ruth, what is it? And she said, well, will you just sit down a minute? I said, well, only a minute. I said, yeah, I want something to eat. I've got the last night. It's all very emotional. What do you want? And she said, well, I want you to do next year's pantomime. Listen, it makes money. Now, Ruth didn't know much about pantomime, but she knew what made money. She said, I want to do next year's pantomime. I said, do you mean? Yes, yes, yes. She said, do you want me to write a contract now? I said, no, no, I, I believe you. And I went downstairs and I thought, I don't know what to do. And my family, Judith and my children, had come down for the last night. And the company were obviously all very emotional. And I went round, wished everybody luck. I didn't tell anybody. And we did the show. And always on the last night, speeches are made. And uh, I went to make a speech. And Susie McKenna, who was my principal boy for many years, she stepped forward and said, can I just say something? And I said, yes. She said, well, as we all know, this is the last night of the pantomime. It's also the last time we will be appearing here because Kenneth now leaves. And so we want to give you a present. And she gave me a silver salver. And actually, I've got it here now. On the front, it says, to Kenneth with love, Aladdin 90. And on the back, it says, let me have a look, just a minute. I'm finding it. Ah. Uh, <laughs> and now the cast must say goodbye with love laughs and a little sigh. The time is right. You're in your prime. Thanks, Kenneth, King of Pantomime. And she read this out. And I was, <laughs> you know me, I'm a softie. I was filling up. And uh, she gave yeah. it to me. And I stepped forward and said, thank you very much, but I don't think I should take this. And it was a while. I said, well, I've just heard something. <laughs> We're not going to finish tonight we've been asked to come back next year <laughs> and everybody went mad it was, it was such a wonderful moment and uh, fortunately I stayed on every year after that so do you have I mean we we all have uh, Jeremy Darren and myself obviously we have pantomime heroes and heroines and we've had a little chat about those and then um, of course you, you're very <laughs> high up on the list uh, <laughs> <laughs> well it's thanks to you we all got to work in the first place so uh and, and did many more years of work after that so uh you know uh we've got a lot to thank you for um and you know you honed our craft of pantomime i don't think darren would oh, do what he you. did now without working for you you know originally um and the same with 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 the same with myself um and and jeremy you know you you've uh and lots of lots of pantomime greats, I think, have learned from you. You mentioned Susie McKenna, who, of course, yeah. went on to do a lot at uh, the Hackney Empire. And uh, I think you've you've inspired an all, a massive generation of directors and dames and well, pantomime artists uh, across the UK. I mean, uh, didn't didn't you give Clive Rowe Clive one of his Rowe his was, first pantomime as far dames? As I know, the first black dame pantomime dame. Um, he he was. I I knew Clive from when he was a child. He, there was a theatre workshop in Oldham, which produced huge shows with mm-hmm. sixty, seventy kids in. And I can remember still Clive Rowe in Bugsy Malone uh, singing. Oh, I can't remember the name mm-hmm. of the song. You might remember when he's sweeping the stage. Oh, and, tomorrow. 
tomorrow. It, yeah, it's, it's tomorrow. Yeah, he is going to be a star. And um, I asked him to do. It was Widow Twanky in Aladdin, and I asked him to do it. His first Dame. He'd never done Dame. And uh, in rehearsal, he was dreadful. He really was. Um, Susie McKenna was playing Aladdin. <laughs> and uh, she kept coming to me saying, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know, Susie. I don't know. I mean, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. And I can remember at the run-through, the very last run-through, when all, all the staff and that watch it, and a dear friend of mine, who sadly again, who's no longer with us, who was a wonderful dame called Freddie Lees, wonderful actor. And Freddie, who was in the next production at Holden, he wasn't in the pantomime, um, he came to see the run-through. And he came to me after and said, oh, haven't you made a big mistake? And I said, that's all I need to hear, Freddie. Thank you very much. And uh, anyway, we went on, we got the dress rehearsal, <laughs> We came to the first preview and I sat there dreading it. I really did. And Clive made his entrance. And of course, he was a large person and he looked fantastic. And he got this huge round of applause. Mm. I mean, you know, you come on as a dame. You know me. I, I make everybody have an entrance and build it up so they do get applause. But he got a lot of applause and suddenly... Yeah. It, it was like a flower blooming. It was wonderful. And by the end of the pantomime, the first night, he was already ad-libbing. And I couldn't believe it. And he was a huge ah. success. And I went round to see him afterwards and gave mm. him a hug and said, Clive, you were wonderful. What happened? And I said, I'm going to be honest with you. You were awful in rehearsal. And he said, I know. And I know why. And I said, Why? <laughs> He said, I didn't trust the script. He said, I didn't think it was funny. He said, and then when I went uh. on stage, before I said anything and they went mad, I thought, oh, it's going to work. And it, he's gone on to play all sorts of things and, and Dame at um, Hackney. But uh, yes, yeah. he was the first, I'm pretty certain, I can't swear to it, but I think he was the first black Dame. You've given many a actor a career, uh, and and uh, yeah, and I would imagine you've been instrumental in the shape of pantomime for well, certainly in the whole of the UK. Uh, without you, I think there wouldn't have wouldn't be now certain pantomime actors, certain dames, certain directors. They wouldn't be out there now writing pantomime if they had if their paths hadn't crossed your path. Definitely, definitely for sure. And I'm not just buttering you up. Because I'm chatting to you. We were touching on, we were chatting about how Nottingham had two pantos and, and the theatre all didn't like it, but obviously in the end had to live with the fact that there was a pantomime down the, down the, another one down the road. But two very, very different beasts. And I think they worked really well hand in hand together, didn't they? For the city, you know, the, the, the theatre all always had the name and you sort of, you never really went down that route. I've seen so many pantomimes where so-called names have been absolutely brilliant and absolutely wonderful and I've also been quite a few where they've been absolutely mm. awful and can't do it you know um, that uh, mm. suddenly mm. in recent years pantomime has become the vogue thing and everybody's doing it but at one time people really looked down on you if you were in pantomime they really did but then suddenly I won't go into my view of 
what these new pantomimes are like because I don't, I, I won't. Um, my pantos, mm. I will say this, are squeaky clean. And that's why certain pantomimes I do not like, you know. I don't yes. think it's right to go to a show with your children mm. and the children ask you either at the time or when they're going home, what was that about? Why did they laugh, Daddy? I remember taking my kids to see a pantomime. I won't tell you who the name was. And uh, they kept saying to me, why are they laughing, Daddy? And the audience were laughing because they were blue jokes, mm. which the kids didn't understand. Now, I think we've managed mm. over the years to make yeah. all ages laugh. Don't ask me how it happens. I don't know. It's just something that happens. But I will not have um, mucky jokes. I, mm. I always tell you, you know, on the first day, what you can say and what you can't say. And don't bring this or that into it, you know. No mucky jokes. Everybody yeah. needs to understand. It's all on the same level, isn't it? And obviously, children will laugh at slightly different things to adults. And nothing political, nothing. We sort of keep it clean and good, fam wholesome family entertainment, I think. I think that's how we used to work you know in your shows and and it and it worked yeah I, I mean i agree with you i don't like going to a family show and no. you know as an adult thinking mm, that's a bit near 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 close to the mark you know i i, I don't think uh and unfortunately that you know each and each to their own there are different styles of panto out there but personally i'm i'm with you i think the reason why your pantomimes in particular always worked uh, because as you taught us, they were very much, remember the tinies, that's what you used to say to us all the time, remember the tinies, remember the story, as long as they are understanding the story. So the story was very, very important, even though we'd you know, go off, as you say, go off script, or but we'd always get back to the story. And there were elements, massive elements of light and shade. It wasn't just two hours of people running around the stage being really noisy and loud and in your face you can't be silly you've got to be truthful you've got to tell the story i i can remember someone saying to me he was the manager at the theater royal he came he, he, i can't think of his name charles somebody lovely man and he was steeped in pantomime and he said you know i saw that girl pick up those golden eggs and she picked them up as if they were heavy and full of gold. And I said, well, that's the truthfulness of it. You know, you must believe the lamp is magic, the eggs are golden, the glass slipper is going to find its owner. You've got to believe that and tell that story truthfully. As the kids just won't go along with it, you know. It's just storytelling. That's what, with lots of laughs and songs and dances. That's it. I think. Pantomime heroes and heroines, you must have some of your own. I'd be about six, I suppose, six or seven. Um, uh, we were living with a family. Uh, we I was never evacuated. I, I, I was born, what, two years before the war. So I was never evacuated. But my, my dad was in the army. My mum travelled all over the country. And we, we finished up at one point in Aldershot, uh, with a lovely family who were looking after us. And uh, the dad came home from the Merchant Navy and said, I've got a treat. I'm going to take you to a pantomime. And I, I, I didn't really know what a pantomime was. I'd been to the theatre quite a few times. My mother used to take me, but I didn't know what a pantomime was. And we went to a matinee to see this pantomime. And all I can remember about it, and I can still almost see it, 
with two girls kept telling each other they loved each other and singing boring songs. And I thought, oh, this, this is awful. And when we came out, he, he said, right, we, we're going to have a little treat. We're going to go in this cafe and we're going to have egg and chips or whatever. And I thought, well, that's good. And then towards the end of the meal, he said, now, I've got another surprise for you. We're going to see another pantomime. And I said, I don't want to. And so I was dragged along to see the second pantomime in one day. And then suddenly this funny man lady came on and I fell about. And I can always remember the walk down. It was Aladdin and then... There were two little legs holding a huge vase. You couldn't see who was behind it. And it came down the stairs and tripped. The vase broke and there was Arthur Askey. I was fortunate I saw him years later when I was growing up at uh, London Palladium. And, and he was just, it was the year, I don't know if anybody remembers, he'd actually fallen down a trap that was open. During the show, he fell down it, um, but was all right. And uh, at one point, he's walking across the stage and the trap opened in front of him. He just turned around and said, no, not a second time. And I thought that was wonderful. And the Cinderella, <laughs> I, yes, I can tell you this because it was so funny, was a, a very famous lady at the time called Mary Hopkins, which she called, she had a very famous song. She played the guitar. Whenever Asky met her, he just went over and just kept tapping her mic so you couldn't really hear what she was saying, which was hysterical. And he also he also did a gag. Um, I was working at Oldham at the time. He went up to the, a back cloth and there was a, a cottage there and he looked through the window and he said, oh, there's never anybody in this house. And it, I laughed and it was absolute silence. Nobody laughed. And he turned out to always like doing a matinee at Oldham, this, which I thought was absolutely <laughs> wonderful. And I tried that gag, and he never got to laugh when I tried it. And, uh, he, uh, another one, uh, and it, this was much sadder, was, well, I'd seen him a few times, it was Billy Dainty, and he was on at the Theatre Royal Nottingham, and uh, Charles, the manager, I went to see it, and he was good, but he wasn't what he used to be. And Charles took me around to meet him, and I, I, I was just thrilled to bits. And he actually cried and said, I, I'm sorry, I can't do what I used to. And he didn't finish that year. He, he was taken ill. Aww. And uh, strangely enough, great friend of mine, Roy Barraclough, took over from him. Now, another one I saw um, who played Mother Goose, which was extraordinary, now, you know, you've heard of her, uh, was Ethel Revnell. Of Rev of Rev yes, of we had a chat about Rev Revnell um, West, and, yeah. Uh, she was one of the few people I saw um, playing a dame, and she played Mother Goose. And, and she, she was equally wonderful. Now, I've seen a lot of them. I saw um, uh, Les Dawson. <laughs> one of the mm. routines I remember, which you could never do today, was sitting on a log and the gorilla comes on and there's Dawson's dame gets out a cigarette and hasn't got a light and the the, the gorilla lights <laughs> the match. You, you just I think I think we were talking about that, that routine. It's yeah, a wonderful yeah. routine. The, <laughs> you you daren't do it now. <laughs> no, those old. Uh, well, they had a. I suppose they had 
the real love of it and and they were steeped in tradition i mean that's the thing you know routines going back for years yeah. and years and years and they knew what they were doing um and steeped in that tradition of which we've talked talk about in other episodes uh, obviously a lot of them have come through the variety route haven't they which of course came after yeah. the music hall route and we've had big conversations about that and and that sort of it's that that sort of tradition of the way that those performers performed it sort of a, all worked hand in hand with, yeah. with, with pantomime really didn't it it's um yeah a very different beast to now um i remember seeing i mean obviously i'm not old enough to have seen all the those people not well not not live um uh, as i say i found bits of footage which is incredible on youtube of of, of some of them uh but I, I have seen in recent years when they were both alive obviously we've still got one of them the chuckle brothers and in fact oh, i think we saw that pantomime I, together I and they were brilliant thinking, oh, weren't I they i want to go and see the chuckle brothers i saw it with you at nothing and they were wonderful they were absolutely yeah, yeah. wonderful um I also saw, yeah. and I don't know, we talked about it the other day, I don't know why I was in Hull. I, I can't have been working at Christmas in Hull. I saw Cannon and Ball at Hull. And again, they yeah. were wonderful. I always did the, uh, the opening, uh, a routine, this was at Oldham, where I got all the audience to stand up. And one evening, um, I was in the middle of this, started... House lights were up. I could see everybody. And at the end of the row was a lady who... And I said, come on, missus, stand up. And, and she was roaring with laughter. And I said, I'm going to get you up. And I went down into the stalls. And I said, get up. And she got up. And she was really laughing. And I said, you see, you can do it. Finished the routine, went off stage. And uh, whoever was on next was looking a little agitated. And they came off at the end of their little bit and said, there's something going on in the auditorium. So I said, well, I don't know what to do. They'll let us know. And um, hmm. in the interval, um, one of the front of house staff came out and said, uh, Kenneth, I'm sorry to tell you this, but uh, that lady you got up was taken ill. We think she's had a heart attack. She's gone. Oh, my Lord. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> the next day in the morning, I went in and, I knew where she was sitting, and I said, can we trace this lady? And we traced the uh, daughter who she was with. She was with her daughter and her son-in-law. And uh, I, we rang the daughter, and I said, how is your mother? And she said, oh, she's in old and old infirmary. She's perfectly all right. She, she did have a, a, a minor little uh, attack. We don't think it's a heart attack. I said, could I go and see her? Can you tell me where she is? And she said, oh, she'd love it. So I rushed out, bought a bunch of flowers, rushed to the hospital, asked to sit, went in the ward, and she was sitting up in bed, and she said, oh, go away, I said, I'll have another heart attack, and <laughs> laughing again. But I did sit down and have a chat, and she was lovely, but I thought, oh, I don't think I'll ask anybody else to stand up anymore. <laughs> But she, it had a happy ending, fortunately. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, it's been magical to talk to you. Um, you've been wonderful. I could just sit and talk to you all day. Um, we'll have to have you on again. Well, you know, that, it, you're... it's been great. It really has. Yeah. And uh, the Midlands have, uh, well, you, you, they were very lucky to have you. 
that's all I can say. <laughs> and as as uh, as uh, was the the rest of the yeah, the pantomime fraternity, as I say, without you, um, I think that the landscape of pantomime would be a very very different place. So thank you so much, Mr. Kenneth Allen Taylor, for talking to us and being our first guest. Thank you, Miss Rebecca Little, for asking me. It's been, <laughs> it's been an absolute joy. It really has. With many thanks to our special guest and cockle seller, Mr Kenneth Allen Taylor, who has recently been awarded the British Empire Medal for services to theatre and pantomime. Can you remember, either of you, the first pantomime you ever saw and who was in it? As, as, as a child or, you know, a small adult? I can. Go on. Do you want to go first, Jess? Oh, well, it's a very sad story because as a oh. child, we were very, very oh, not poor. A, there's not a butterfly in it, is there? Uh, no, no, yeah. we were very poor. So I did actually see my first panto to us. I was uh, oh, quite, not old, but yeah. I, and I saw, um, and then I saw the best. I saw uh, Les Dawson, wow. Roy Barraclough, Eric Seitz, and uh, Roy Kinnear in panto at... Uh, Palace Theatre Manchester. Wow. Can you remember what it was? Cast. What was it? I think it was uh, I, it was Dick Whittington because I this boat, well ship, Galleon, came on stage. <laughs> and, and we all Well, because it the Palace Theatre Manchester is massive and the oh to God, this full size, life size boat came on stage. It was just unbelievable. But they were just hysterical because they were proper old time. Mm. And what I loved about it was they allowed themselves, and I know being in the profession that, and we do it, and we do it ourselves. Uh, I'm sure they must; these must have been. They had moments where it looked like they'd lost control of the show, where they were <laughs> laughing and the gag had gone wrong or something, and it was maybe. Up, but they were just brilliant at it, mm. and you couldn't help but laugh. And I bet you see, I, I bet they hadn't though. I bet they were always no. in control. People like that, oh, like, I, like when more it would have been rehearsed. It would have, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I saw Bernard Breslau a year later mm. in uh, Cinderella. Of Carrie, the on costumes have, that, that Bernard, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the costumes have been designed by the Emmanuels because I think it was the year that Princess Diana had been married, or the year after. Oh wow, okay. And I thought I saw Billy Pierce as his sidekick, right? But it wasn't Billy Pierce. Uh, it, apparently, it, it was another guy. But I, uh, but Bernard Breslau coming down the stairs in Cinderella, dressed as Cinderella. As an ugly sister, it looked, it looked about 12 foot tall because he'd got this huge hat on in black and white. Mm. And then this other character came down dressed as a poodle in pink. <laughs> and it was just phenomenal. It was just, it didn't, that, didn't have to do anything. There was no words, do you mean? Yeah. That entrance was just, and so those people, to see those. Wow. In, what about you, Darren? What, who, who can you remember? Oh, wow. You, you would remember that, wouldn't you? Bernard Breslau. Yeah. Or... Eight foot nine of him. Yeah, it was just I brilliant. That. Yeah, and I, no, I, I, I one day. Oh, go on, Jeremy's not sorry. sure yet. Go on, go on, No, no, it's. I swear to no, I swear that it's Billy Pierce, and I hope that if anybody knows Billy Pierce, because I've looked in all the advert, and it's not Billy Pierce on the poster. Oh, but I'm sure it was him in the show. Maybe he had a different name then. Well, yeah, I mean, he's a regular. Well, where, where does he do? Is it Bradford Lambra? <laughs> He's done Bradford for years. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's regular. Yeah, but now there, he's. Isn't he? Yeah, but now he's. This year he should have been somewhere else. Apparently, really. I, I've been to the, yeah, none yeah. of us were anywhere this year. Was, 
This guy was called. I thought it was, thought it was Bradford again. This guy was called Dougie Small. Sorry. In the show. Oh, I'm, sorry. I'm just laughing because my name's Rebecca Little. So what if we that would have been a perfect match, wouldn't it? Dougie Small and yeah. Rebecca Little. But Double Peggy Mount name. was in it. it. Was Peggy Mount? Michael Barrymore Peggy was Mount. in it as well. Peggy Jessica Mount. Martin. Yeah, was, was in the Cinderella version. To mine. <laughs> it was. It was black and white, and there was no music. It was just a piano. <laughs> Darren, no, it was. It was a silent movie. <laughs> just a, it's awful. Piano kept playing this. Stupid sound. Anyway, no, but yeah, wow. phenomenal. Wow. So if anybody knows, but I need to find out. You need to heading. know whether Dougie Small was Billy Pierce in disguise. Is that, or is that or he got replaced after the poster because it happens sometimes, doesn't it? Well, gosh, it happens yeah. all the time. Yeah, somebody's on the poster, and then I'm just looking. I'm just looking at behind me on my shelves. I've got I've got you're rows looking, upon rows. You're looking where, Darren? Oh, behind. I'm be looking behind. It's behind, behind you. you. We'll come to that I've later. I've got all these pantomime, uh, pantomime books, and I'm going to have a look to see if it's. Um, well, don't do it now. We're having a chat. No, I'm not going to do it now. Yeah, go on. I'll so, not do it now. what about you? What about your first pantomime? Um, when he was in it. The first pantomime I've, I didn't even I didn't even know that theatre was a thing when I was a kid. It Aww. just wasn't. Um, just wasn't. It's sadder than that, boys and girls. Oh. But my mum worked, it, now it was either at Double Two Shirts or the shirts are my available. My mum and dad used to sell them in their shop. Did they? Double Two Shirts. My mum probably made them. She probably oh. did. There's no connection yeah. between you oh, and I've not got. <laughs> oh. Go on then, sorry. I, I... Your mum probably sold the bulbs in the factory, Jez. Yeah, she probably um, did that. All types electric. <laughs> Stop plugging LJ Little Dance. I can do adverts for Jeremy's yeah, mum and I shop. Yeah, I can do that for my mum's shop as well, which is now not menswear, it's dancewear. LJ Little Dancewear. Two, three, four. Oh. <laughs> Northwich. So, um, right. they, they, got, they, did like a, they did a works outing to the pantomime, and so my mum said, come on, we're going to, and I can't remember, because I was only, I was tiny. I, was, I must have been four, five, six. Seven, mm. eight. <laughs> <laughs> and we went to either Bradford. That must or... be a lovely memory for you, Darren. Push <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy. Uh, You've been quiet Leeds. most of the time. Be quiet now. And we Sorry, went... I'll shut up now. <laughs> uh, and we went to see went to see, I don't know what the pantomime was, but it was little and large. And then and <gasps> what was, what was that? that? Oh son, can you hear that? That pork scratching. <laughs> I'm just eating chocolate. I know we said we're in a virtual pub, but shush with your pork scratches. <laughs> the pork scratches, we're not supposed to be. Best of in the concert room, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, uh, it was little and large, and I knew that it was little and large because I'd seen oh, them on the telly. I saw little and large and as well as my first panto. Maybe we were at the same panto. My God. Possibly. Where was Possibly. it? Was it in Manchester? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I remember oh. getting on a coach and going to this thing called a theatre, which I'd no idea about. And my mum said, we're going to go see Little and Large off the telly. Yeah. And we, we were sat right up in the gods. Oh, well, and the only the thing, front, there's dear. two things. Oh, well. Oh, well, I'm, of course you I'm were, really darling. Um, Dancewear. You probably paid for your ticket as well. <laughs> we, we got ours <laughs> book she. Aww. Um, uh, they probably papered the house. It would have been a matinee. Uh, so, and I remember, two bit, I remember two bits from the show. I don't remember the title. I don't remember... Um, Anybody else other than Little and Large in it? But they did a, a gag where uh, Sid Little got into a shopping trolley and Eddie Large uh, wheeled him on stage. And then this screen came in behind them and it was like um, <laughs> virtual, virtual reality 70s or 80s style where they just 
projected this roller coaster ride and a car chase and it, onto this big screen. <laughs> and Eddie was just pushing Sid around the stage as though he was on the roller coaster and being chased by Starsky and Hutch. And and then the other bit I remember, and I can I can literally still remember this bit as clear as a day. They got these tennis rackets out and Mars bars. And they were whacking these Mars bars into the audience <laughs> with tennis rackets. Can you imagine that these days? Oh, fantastic. What? Whacking? A, a, and Mars bars were about a foot and a half long back in the oh, they you were know, bigger 1978. In those days. But why not? And they were whacking them up and they were trying really hard to get them up. To, and I was livid. I was livid that I didn't get a Mars bar Aww. in the chops. Well, interestingly, Aww. another great pantomime legend of the province is like. Kenneth Anfalo was a pantomime legend of provincial, and I mean that in the best sense, repertory sort of, you know, theatres. It uh, was, is, um, well, was Berwick Kayler. And I believe he used to do that with wagon wheels. I'm not saying he did it with a racket, but I've got a friend who grew up in York. He was very a very famous name in York at the Theatre Royal, I believe. And uh, he used to throw out wagon wheels, the same yeah. sort of same thing. Until well, the snowballs as well, they, those those. Coconut-y snowballs. The chuckleboards throw everything out. In bottles? No. <laughs> no, the little <laughs> chocolate snow. Who wants a Bacardi Breezer? Me! Yeah. Boing. What do you mean a snowball? What are you talking about? You know, those... It's the chocolate thing with a bit that... Chocolate. Yeah. She's too posh, Jez. She's too I'm posh. Oh. Who you mean a macaroon? <laughs> Who I say? <laughs> no, they've got like a... <laughs> They've got a biscuit base, right? Marshmallow in the middle, chocolate on top, with coconut on. That's that's a mark. That's a. Oh, I know what you mean, the, but they don't come individually wrapped, do they? They do. Do they? <laughs> Posh ones do, darling. Or did they just throw out? I a... thought they came on a china plate. <laughs> oh, surely. <laughs> when, when, when I ring the bell, the man brings them to me. No, I thought they came in like a box of six. Just throw. Them Mother, they're having a goat me again. Oh no, she's box thinking of, of six. She's thinking so of tonic. Yeah, and, and there are wrong. other wafers and marshmallows. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. We have to be careful. No, the Chuckle Brothers. The Chuckle Brothers used to... We're only allowed to do product placement for all types. Electric. Hello. Or a little dancewear. Or fucking panto. Or little pigs of productions. That's the only product placement we're allowed. Because that belongs to us. You can't do anything. We came now. unstuck. We came unstuck a few years ago because I've always been a big advocate of um, throwing out free sweets and crisps because it's yeah, the kids. If you're careful and you throw it underarm, you you you. It, it's, <laughs> That's it's, hilarious. It's... You've actually got a technique <laughs> for throwing out. Oh stuff. yeah, throw it it's, out. Oh yes, how well. And also it's like the cricket team. Could you imagine the England cricket team today? We're learning how to throw crisp <laughs> underarm. Not, not. But also, you you aim for the aisles as well. You aim for the aisles. The aisles, not eyes. Oh. The aisles. Uh, and so it's, it's it's a big it's a big part of it. But we 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 um we we discovered you know the hard way a couple of years ago that um <laughs> we throw out crisps and you think crisps are fine. Oh, we used to open up a bag of crisps, tip them over the audience, and then yeah. we had one poor little mite who was allergic to this thing called allium, which I had never ever heard of. What are you? Um, and it's allium, uh-huh. and it's it's something that's found only in cheese and onion flavor crisps. And so it's part we of the garlic family. Crisps. Just start yeah, throw it's that part in. Of the, well done, there, oh, Jeremy's Yorkshire allotment. Thanks very much. Oh yeah, we're allowed to say um, Jeremy's Yorkshire allotment adventures yeah. as well. That's the only thing <laughs> we're allowed to say. <laughs> but this this it was it was really serious because this poor kid had to get stripped oh, yeah, taken to the back and rinsed off, and oh, uh, and word. so from that moment on it was. 
you know, it got it got a bit serious, and so we had to say, look, from now on, no open bags, no make sure there aren't any cheese and onion crisps within a, a million miles because it frightened me to death that oh. this poor little kid. Uh, I mean, I wasn't even there. It was it was uh, it was Ruth on the tour that told that she yeah. told us this tale, <gasps> and we you know we contacted, spoke to the parents backwards and forwards, and said, what can we do? What can we do in future to make this safe? But who? I'd never even have heard of no. uh, celiac, and I've heard of nut allergies, but who knew that? Um, well, Allie. we all know now. Well, yeah. I think what's important is though that we don't let that stop us throwing sweets and crisps out. No, no, we should because no, I'm not saying we should open the packet because yeah, but things have changed. And we, like on Pocket Panther, we learned you, you put a lot of gluten free things and stuff that yeah, didn't yeah. have any animal derivatives in there because our audience now are multicultural. Yes, it's not just about oh, yeah, we have halal sweets to throw out, as yeah, well, yeah halal, so. it's brilliant, so you can still do it, yeah, as long as you warn people, yeah. And when I used to be there, we said, look. If you're allergic to anything in these sweets, go home and be sick on your own carpet. <laughs> you know, don't don't do it here. And but you give the warnings out. As yeah. long as you give the warnings out clearly, yeah. No, but and people you, understand. What you're saying is it's you nice know. you've sort of um, developed it so you don't sort of yeah everybody's included. It, it, it yeah, and it, people want throwouts. They, that, that's yeah. part of the that's part of our well our tradition of panto is part of that. Yeah. And, oh, everybody wants something for nothing, Jazz. Oh, but absolutely! Things, you have to, you have to. Certain things do have to change as well. I remember, uh, well, I don't remember it. I've seen it. I've seen photographs of it where uh, Les Dawson used to do the the ghost gag, and we've all seen the ghost gag where, you know, there's you start off with five of the cast members on stage, and then the gorilla comes on and scares the end one off, and da 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 da. Uh, and then the, the the button's the hardest thing in that, you know, getting getting the last person off. Usually, the gorilla screams and runs off, yeah. or the ghost screams and runs off. What Les Dawson used to do is he used to sit down on the bench and he used to light a cigarette and the, the gorilla oh. would be looking for his matches and then the gorilla would light his fag for him. Can you imagine doing that these days? Oh, no. Yeah. Wow. Fanny Fanny just sat in on a bench smoking a pipe. <laughs> yeah, but, but as you said, so that gag's you developed. Yeah. It's still the same gag, yeah. but there's just no, no yeah. substances involved. <laughs> that's what's that's what's. I tell you, about, I tell you a gag that has... Sorry, Jess, go on. No, I've died. You, you carry on, boss. <laughs> it's not the first time, dear, on stage. Well, we know, Becky, don't we? Becky, Becky, we've learned all the years, Becky, that if Darren talks, we shut up. Jeremy, just get in the back of that you car make, again. You make me quiet. sound like a tyrant. You make me no, sound no, like no. an absolute tyrant. No, but what you are, and I think it's difficult to... <laughs> no, it's difficult, no, it's difficult for people that never work with you or work with someone who can do, who can do this. Um... We know, Becky and I, that when you're on stage with you on You're a Dame, A, it's your show, which I love. I, I love Panto Run Dames. I'm not a very big do, fan. Do we know that? Yeah, but I'm not a big fan of uh, pantomimes that haven't got a dame as central because I think that's you need someone. Mm. And when you've got someone like Darren that can run, in a way, the comedy, the timing of it all, and the you and I, Becky, knew that when he squeezed your hand, or if he, we have to shut up because you knew there's a gag coming. I just need to squeeze my hand. I just know I'm not that fit. <laughs> no, I know, but sometimes because it go off on one. But that's what you, that's what no, well, yeah, brilliant no, about him. We, we trust each other. We've worked with. Yes, each other absolutely. I don't literally and, and, have to squeeze my hand though, Jeremy. I've got a bit. It does to me because I have to shut that. me up. 
Hey, talk I'm about not, I, I know exactly. In. I know exactly what Jeremy's on about. There's a bit in Jack and the Beanstalk that we did way, way back <laughs> when. Yeah, and I used to grab. I used to grab you both, and I'd, oh, get yeah. you, I'd get you a hand in each of my hands, and I'd pull you really close. Yeah, and we'd have this moment, and I'd I'd be squeezing you. I'd squeeze your hand uh, when I, I can't remember what the gag was, but I'd be like going, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, and it's great that you pick up because there's other things that happen naturally between the three of us. There's this. Um, that sounds uh, well this... dodgy. No, no, no. This, it's the it's the pairing off. You know when you've got one person centre and that the person stage left walks down stage left, and then automatically the person stage right walks down stage right, mm. and it's this symmetry that you and you know you don't. I, I don't remember ever directing that, but it just naturally happens that I don't you remember got, you ever you know, directed anything. <laughs> Not really. It'd be right. It'd be right. Shall we rehearse? No, we do. We do take it very seriously. But going and to back those to, people listening, yeah, stage right to, is actor stage right. Jeremy, you've been quiet for half an hour. Now be quiet again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. No, no, just. No, to... I was going to say. I was going to say. Oh. I was going to say about. Um, you know, we're going. We're talking about the ghost gag, and it's yeah. like it's a front cloth gag. Yeah. That, um, it doesn't necessarily move the plot along, but you need it because there's a big scene change going on behind you. Yeah. One of the yeah. best I ever, ever saw way back when I used to work backstage at the Theatre Royal in Wakefield was Dougie Brown did this thing, uh, and Dougie Brown was just the, the, the best dame I, I've ever sort of seen. Uh, he, he did the 12 Days of Christmas, uh, and I used to stand oh, and watch it, and this big scene change that's supposed to be going on behind him, I'd... It, it always used to go wrong because I was just stood watching him. I should have been moving the scenery. <laughs> um, and I'd, I never felt bold enough to do it until a few years ago. And I did it a few years ago in Scunthorpe. And the audience insisted that we that we did it every year since. Cause it's but this is like your little gag. curtain. The 12 Days of Christmas. Um, your sort of pre, curtain, yeah. everybody lives happily ever after. Before the walk down, we'll do a silly song. No, no, no. This is, this is a... This is a front cloth gag that we just put in the middle of the show. Oh, you put it in um, the middle. Oh, I thought you did yes, it towards the end. Yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, no, no, no. It's a, it's a well, great... It's a filler, busy a Bee filler. used to be my favourite. Um, so I'd do Busy Bee. The water gag. awful lot, didn't we? Yeah, the water yeah. gag. We won't be doing that. We won't well, be doing that anytime soon. Well, there's a lot of spitting soon. involved. And... Not for a while. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. we'll just use a swab. Yeah. Um, uh, but But... 12 days of Christmas, I just thought it just looks like hard work. And it is blooming hard work, but the kids love it. They love it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's one of those many sort of, um, I was going to talk about that, about the sort of different, like you'll have certain scenes within pantos, like a kitchen scene, a slop scene, you know, or something like the 12 days of Christmas or or something like the haunted bedroom you know, with the, mm. with the ghost, you know, with the beds that spin and there's always sort of a little bit of a special scene, isn't there? Well, when, when you're writing, when you're writing, because I've written, I've written quite a few pantomimes now, and when, when you're writing them for, the, for a big stage, you have, there's, a, there's a formula that you have to do. You have to have, you have your big opening number. Then, well, you, no, you have the prologue mm. when the uh, show goes with the immortals. Then you can go into a big number, full stage, and then you need to have a front cloth scene a short scene on mm. the way to or something so that the uh the crew can change mm. um the scenery behind and then you go to another front cloth and then you're into act one finale mm. and so the, you have to have these little fillers that don't necessarily have to move the plot along yeah you usually throw the fairy on or the or the or the villain to oh, fairy. Uh, that was a bit of prose oh fairy question for you both i'm sure you know what it is the answer no. is 
Why does a fairy hold the wand in the left hand? I'm sure you know. Me, oh. me, me, me. I know this. Go on, go on, this. sir. Well, she wears Point it. To Dan, she come wears on. it. She, she holds it in her left hand so that when the baddie comes on, she protects her pure heart. The wand is between her and the baddie. But, but she can bring yes, it on because... in the right, but when the villain comes on, she has to swap it over. Do you know what? I didn't know that, and I've played fairy lots of times, and I've probably never protected my heart. It's because, it's because <gasps> when you get married, you put your wedding ring on your, 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 your second finger in your left hand. Oh, so is Darren that's... wrong then? No, wrong. no, he's right, because, right. Right. I knew that. because that vein is, is a direct link to your heart, uh... and that's why the fairy... As the wand in that hand, because you know what? I never knew that, heart. and I'm I I I now I'm going to give back my equity card because I've played fairy many times, <laughs> and um and I have got one. I have got one. I promise. I've got them, Becky. I've got another question. Another question for you. Another question. Then. Hang on, I've not finished. I just. I'll go on then. I've always I've, I've always had mine in my right hand. I feel terrible. Oh no, no, I can't. No. Not when the comes on. No question. Why? Why then? The baddies on the left-hand side of the stage. Oh, well, me, and the miss, me, on miss. The right. well, we all know this because Mr. Darren Johnson taught us this on the pocket panto workshop. Go on, then. Go on, I'll let go you on. say it though, Darren, because I've talked to you enough. Go on. No, no, go on. No, no, I was just, I was just slurping some of my Chateau Neuf de Pas. No, oh, and, and, and there are other wines available. No, <laughs> uh, go on. It's because the, the the bad side is the, is the sinister side. And, that's uh, the left. The Romans, that's, so that's our side, side. Our when the left. Romans marched in. That's stage said, left. Just explain to people. Just explain to people because that's stage left. But... Do you know, she just asked me. She asked no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. What though. has she done, Jeremy? Uh, no, but in the interest of inclusivity, that's stage left, which to the audience is their right, but that's stage left. I was, I was just trying to help. That's all right. Yeah, what, when is Alex on stage? listening to this, you Listen, know. nobody's going turns. to be listening no, to when... this apart from me tomorrow. Mom, my mum, Jeremy's oh. wife. That's about it. But well, listeners, for all the listeners out there, basically, when, as a director, and I will say this, you direct the actors on stage. So when you say well, an actor moves somewhere, actors are so uh, thick that you have to tell them which hand they go by. So when you go stage left, it's there. The actors move left. Yeah, left. Yeah. And stage right, they move right. Yeah. But this, the, the stage is directed into nine squares. And so you've got stage left, centre stage, and Nobody stage right. Nobody wants to know this, middle. Jeremy. But that's very important because it, it, it really does help Panto. That's why. Why does Panto Dame come up, up stage right then? I don't know, Jeremy. Why does Panto... I hope this is a gag. Why does Panto Dame... No, it's not. <laughs> this is part of the... This is linked to the stage left bad guy. Go on, then. There's two theories. <laughs> when... And near, you're near gonna, you, the bar is the right answer. <laughs> Yeah, it is. No, you've got to decide. When uh, church left the church, it came out in the streets. They took the, 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 the gospel on massive big carts around the country. And on the big top right-hand corner, right as high as they could possibly get it, was God and the heavens and all the good guys. And right on the bottom of the left-hand side, of course, was hell. Mm. So you've got hell left. And God right, and that's where the goodies and baddies come in. And that's why on stage, you have good guys stays right, and bad guys stays left. But Darren's Unless, got of a course, different you're theory about stage left. It's that sinister. Yeah, the thing. Romans, yeah. Yeah, shush, Jeremy. I was asking Darren. <laughs> that, no, I tell you what, this, 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 nobody's, you know, we're, we're all right. We're all right. What, what, I would, what I'm interested <laughs> no, we're in left. With, with you two <laughs> sinister. is where do you stand? Where do you stand on the villain crossing centre going past? 
Do you mean what? Like do you mean where? where what, what? As in, I where? like to keep my baddies stage left as much as possible. Yes. So, I, even in the front part. Yeah, yeah. Personally, would you, let, would you let the villain cross over to I, stage right? I think once you... they've had their first entrance and they've established they're good and bad, so bad comes from stage left, good is from stage right. I, I personally think you can sort of, once you've established that, you can sort of slightly. You know, be a bit more relaxed on that yeah. person personally, but that you know, each their own. Mm. Mm. But you, yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm never sure. It just always, yeah. I always get, I feel a bit uncomfortable when yeah. I see it. But, but going back to you, we, you, put, you, you normally tell our students on the Pocket Panto workshops that it's to do with the Romans marching sinister dexterous. Is that right? Yeah, the the the, the green side, the evil side, the 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 the, the sinister side. So it just made it just made it easier. But wasn't that to do with the left and right? Them. Wasn't sinister yeah. left? Yeah, yeah, sinister's sinister. left and sinister uh, is right. Um, there you go, history lesson and everything. Oh, exciting! It's all happening. Jeremy, favorite part about Oh title. my lord! Don't think uh, about it. Just say it. Oh, Cinderella. Why? Uh, I think it's got everything in it. Favourite role in a panto? Favourite part? Widow Twanky. Why? Because it's lots of fun. Favourite pantomime routine or patter? Number one. 12, 12 days of Christmas. Right. Okay, the end. Um, pantomime animals. Have you been uh, one? Daisy the cow. Oh, I've never been one, but Daisy the cow, there's so much stuff you can do. Dame or double act? I.e. ugly. Oh. Uh, oh. Dame. Dame. I much prefer Dame. I mean, as much as I love doing ugly, mm. um, it's it's harder work. Oh, harder work. What, to be a to double be an act? Ugly sister. Just to share it, to try and... Oh, um, oh I see. It's all about sharing. I'm <laughs> yeah. not in a pub sharing, sharing pork scratches. <laughs> you don't do any of that no, for it's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult because especially when you've got two funny people, it... Because it's you know you can you can riff on stage and you can go off on one, mm. but when there's two people doing that, sometimes you can t opposites can attract. I'm I'm fortunate that when I do ugly, mm. I do it with Hamdi, and he's he's an actor first and foremost. And he knows when he to shut up. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. He wouldn't uh, yeah, he wouldn't class himself as a, a as a comedian in a, in a, in a thousand years, but he is a great straight man. He's a great feed. Right, I've got an egg timer here. You know, a little thing. Oh with, no, a little thing with sand in it. In 60 seconds, I think that's how quick this little timer is, want us, us to all have a go at each of us describing if you were to meet somebody from part of the world that had never, ever seen a pantomime, didn't even know what a pantomime was about, how would you describe a pantomime to them? So who wants to go first? I'll go, I'll go first. All right, go I got, first. I've got to turn my timer over. So in three, two, one, go. Imagine your most favourite fairy tale from when you were a child, a bedtime story or the stories that you heard at school and the fables and uh, the, the, the stories where good always triumphs over evil, where there's always happily ever after and then transfer that onto a stage with as much glitter and sparkles and um, special effects as you can possibly imagine and then take the world's greatest actors Put them into each of the parts of that fairy tale. Uh, give them songs to sing. Give them jokes to tell. 
give them little bits of funny slapstick to do. Uh, make sure that there's a, a moral that runs through the show. I'm going to have to hurry you. Somewhere near, you'll be somewhere near to uh, putting together a traditional British pantomime. I thank you all. Oh, you did that before the sand ran out. And it's gone now. <laughs> very good. And you spoke really slowly as well. Well, thank you very much. That's all right. Jeremy, you going to have a go? Oh, why not? Right. Okay. Right. In three... Two, one, go. Is it that? Oh, yes. I'm excited. No, because you see, the thing is, right, you're heading out, you're going, I saw a show. Grandma, granddad, mum, dad, aunties, uncles, the whole family in the same place together all at once. You get into a strange place. You don't know what it is. There's people selling programmes, there's ice creams, there's coke, coffee, tea, all those things. Then you sit in the seat and suddenly a live band starts up. And the curtains, the lights dim, the curtains open. And suddenly on stage you see dancing. You see people singing. You see very strange costumes and beautiful sets. And amazing. And then suddenly someone comes on stage. Hurry up, you're nearly at the interval. Who makes you laugh. nearly run out. Come on. <laughs> oh, Miss Sam's gone of No, time. come on, carry on, you're not there yet. Oh, it's brilliant, you love it. <laughs> Is that, not, uh, that was rubbish. <laughs> I, I, I got carried away. I'm, I'm there. You got carried away with all the beverages. And the <laughs> do, do you know what I love? Wait. What I love is I like the build up to it all when I go and see a theatre, and it's awful. That was for the love of front of house that you just. Oh, did. sorry. <laughs> I'm amazed we got him out of the bath. To be fair. Right, I'm going to have a go. Okay. It's my Two, time. three. Oh, yeah, but it was going to time you. Wait, no, I've Wait a minute, timer. Becky is good. You've got sixty seconds. Yeah. You've no to chance. Explain, but good luck with well, this. Well, I'm going to have a go. Here we go. In three. Have you got the egg timer from the Wizard of Oz? <laughs> In three, two... The wizard! Gosh! In three, two, one, go. Pantomime. Well, you've got a man in a frock playing a woman. You've got a woman in tights, in boots, playing a boy. You've got... It's so confusing, but it's brilliant. You've got com comedy, magical characters. Baddies enter from the left, goodies enter from the right. Don't forget to put that wand in your left hand, otherwise you're not protecting your heart, apparently. <laughs> I've been dead for all these years playing the fairy. Uh, you've got songs, you've got magic, you've got dancing. Did I did I mention songs, magic and dancing? Um, yeah. And if you're Jeremy Stroy, you've got many beverages before and after, and possibly during. <laughs> the end. Oh, and everybody lives happy ever after. <laughs> you've been done 20 left. seconds. 20 seconds. I've got loads of sand left, darling. 20, 24 seconds no, in now, come on. About, you know, you know, that's Today. how you do it. Go on. That's how no, you that's do it. it. No. I think Darren won. Very good. I think Darren won. I think we can all agree whether you're in them, you're watching them, or you know, pantomime is a very, very special part of uh, the theatrical calendar that everybody enjoys. Pantomime, it's for the love of pantomime, for the love of pantomime. Uh, we uh, can all agree whether you're in them, backstage working on them, the crew and everybody, everything, every, the whole part of pantomime, whether you're in wardrobe, front of house, back of house in the band, on stage. It's it's a real family atmosphere, isn't it? it it's Everybody really pulls together and it's, it's, it's an amazing team of people that come together to make these incredible pieces of theatre. The sound people, the lighting, the costumes. I'm going to miss somebody out now. It's like a curtain speech. Cleaners, miss, yeah. cleaners, yeah, don't cleaners, forget the cleaners. Cleaners, very important between clearing up all box those office. wagon wheel wrappers and box things. Box office. And box office, yeah, everybody. 
Definitely box everybody, wardrobe, box office, office. Wardrobe for gossip. everybody. And whether you're in the audience, stage the, door, yeah, every, everybody. Let's just say everybody. no stage door, car park attendant, <laughs> props. You've ruined it again, you two. Like <laughs> no, listen, no, because like marketing, marketing, marketing. Like they're making up good. You're like a pair of selfish actors that don't know when to shut up. Oh, I know I'm never it's the fun manager. <laughs> I know I'm never the funny one, you know, but I am now physically squeezing both your hands. <laughs> you are the funny one, Becky. That's what you don't realise. You are the funny one. She is, isn't she? Uh, any nuts? Nibbles? Porter scratchings? You know, you know this virtual pub we're sitting in? Next week, we're not going to tell you which pub we're at. You're bad. What would this pub be called? What, what I don't, would, what I would don't know, but in the words of an infamous, very famous lady who, bless her heart, we've just lost. Jeremy? Get out of my pub. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed. No, you can come back in. Come on. No, I'm not coming. No, that's no, it. No, come on. Come on. Matron, give me my... Matron, I want my jab. What's our... <laughs> What's our pub called? What's our virtual pub called? <gasps> oh. Uh, what would it be called? The... the um, what was the... Um, the, well, you, the, the well, green you... room? Oh, that's very obvious. The green oh, room? Oh, oh, that's very oh, obvious. It is obvious. I'm quite frankly pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> um uh the doll office the uh the, the three old soaps the three old soaps i don't know maybe that's we could get maybe we could get our two podcast listeners that's your mum my mum or three <laughs> jeremy's wife to uh put the out oh no i can't count Lindsay in maybe we could, i can't yeah, count my wife in back could, you know we could open this out to all our many listeners you know, if, yeah, we, if, if times were different and we weren't in a global pandemic or whatever it is we're in, lockdown number 553. Well, I'm in Yorkshire. I don't we, know where you are. <laughs> we'd, we'd, be, we'd be in a pub talking right now, but we're not. We're in our individual living spaces, living quarters, <laughs> living spaces. Jeremy's, Jeremy's been on his allotment for 18 months now. We should explain to him, uh, Jeremy, there's a global pandemic at the minute. There's yeah. this thing is called... There? Yes, is this... There's this thing called TikTok that's sweeping <laughs> the nation and it's it's, it's causing contagious. untold misery. It's very contagious oh, not... and it's not good for you. Well, it's not good for you. Yeah. Oh, well, it's funny enough you said TikTok because I've got my mum's old cuckoo clock and it does have to take some winding. <laughs> oh, God. Honestly, every, every time I go down to the shed, you might laugh. I've got to wind the thing up. It's got massive weights and yeah. it runs out of time. That's not... And that, that, that does have to go TikTok. I can't film in there. Very good. Okay, so we need a name for our virtual pub. So there you go. That's yeah. a little competition for the many thousands oh, of listeners nice. that will tune into this and be still here an yeah. hour and a half later. I, no, <laughs> I, I thought you were going to edit this. This is not going to be edited down. I don't know. I can't even be bothered. I've lost oh, all no. I, <laughs> I might just put it out. The and thing see is, I think we've been very good. We've not been bitchy at all. We're not allowed to be. And we've got to stop. I know we're not like, but you listen to some podcasts and it's. You've got to start talking. You listen to some podcasts and it's like the claws are out and they don't say anything. And we will never do that. We can disagree with each other, but we'd never be nasty about anybody else. And I've learned, what I've learned tonight is I'm sure people have, but I've just got to shut up. That's what you've learned. (laughs) That's taught me a lesson. And I, I'm, I must admit, I'm feeling my hands squeezed from both of you tonight, so that's marvellous <laughs> of the Wi-Fi. Hopefully in a good way. And I've, well, I've learned 
that when Becca says shut up, I need to shut up. I no. I've, you've learned that I'm bossy. Oh, you knew that anyway. Last orders. Uh, well, thanks, guys. It's been lovely uh, meeting you for a drink in our virtual pub, which we may have a name of next by next week. Um, so uh, <laughs> thanks for uh, chatting with me for the love of pantomime and the next episode. Um, well, it might not be next week. It might be next month. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, we'll talk about for the love of dot, 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 something else. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. I've been Becky. I've been Darren. And I've been Jez. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, fellas. Uh, wish you Night-night. well. Keep safe. And um, oh, when I'm gone, oh, there's yeah. a small landlady here telling Jeremy something. What's that? Oh, Jeremy, she says, get out of my pub. You're barred. Oh, cheers, Babs. <laughs> Love you, darling. See you soon. Time, please. For the love of dot 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 podcast series, a Sparrow Studios podcast with Rebecca Little, Darren Johnson, Jeremy Stroyer and Landlady Polly. Produced by Little Pixie Productions. Follow or subscribe on your usual podcast platform of choice.